0: The Bolshevik Revolution and Marxism in America Selected Readings from the History of the Communist Party of the United States of America by William Z. Foster From Chapter 10 The Russian Revolution Section Title Impact of the Revolution upon the American Labor Movement In the United States, as in other countries, A wave of fighting spirit was generated among the masses by the advent of the Great Russian Revolution, but unlike Eastern Europe, it did not reach the intensity of a tornado. At last, the workers had succeeded in smashing their way through the fortifications of the hated capitalist system and had opened up the way to socialism. Even the more conservative categories of workers realized that a great blow had been struck for freedom. Crowded meetings of workers in American cities, hungry for every scrap of information about the first workers' republic, made the rafters ring with applause at every mention of the Bolsheviks. Eugene V. Debs, with his genius for revolutionary expression of rank and file spirit, declared quote, From the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, I am a Bolshevik, and I am proud of it. The day of the people has come. End quote. The Seattle Longshore workers, in the spirit of the period, struck against loading munitions to be used against Soviet Russia. The broad masses of the American proletariat distinctly felt that the great victory in Russia was also their victory. This was especially the case among the huge armies of immigrant workers. But the opportunist leaders of American social democracy, like their kind in Europe, took an altogether different attitude toward the Russian Revolution. The American Federation of Labor Top Leaders, for example, an undeveloped brand of social democrats who, because of the lack of ideological development of the American working class, do not need to make demagogic use of socialist slogans, condemned the revolution from the outset. Their instinct as labor tools of the capitalists was as unerring in their hatred of living socialism as that of the big monopolists themselves. The 1919 convention of the AFL refused its endorsement of the Soviet government of Russia, and subsequent conventions, becoming bolder in their reaction, attacked the Soviets with unlimited violence and slander. From the earliest period right down to the most recent days, the big bureaucrats of the American Federation of Labor have been outstanding and relentless instigators of every capitalist assault against the Soviet Union. The leaders of the socialist party, at the outset, were more circumspect. They were mostly centrists of the Hilquit brand, the bulk of the extreme right-wing leaders having quit the party after their failure to win it for a pro-war policy. The centrist opportunists, who also in their hearts deeply hated the Soviet government, and considered it the repudiation of all their political plans and programs, adopted a policy of maneuvering regarding it against the pressure of the militant rank-and-file of the party. Consequently, they weakly hailed the revolution, and in their 1919 convention, tongue-in-cheek pledged, "...our support to the revolutionary workers of Russia and the maintenance of their Soviet government." They also, pushed on by the rank-and-file, lodged a formal protest against the armed intervention of the United States and other capitalist powers in Soviet Russia. But when? As the sequel showed, the hypocrisy of these pretenses was unmasked, Morris Hilquit and his co-leaders became no less violent in their opposition to the Soviet Union than were their political kin, the reactionary leaders of the American Federation of Labor. Morris Hilquit later pronounced the Soviet government, quote, the greatest disaster and calamity that has ever occurred to the socialist movement, end quote the left wing tirelessly challenged the treacherous attitude of the hilquit leadership toward the russian revolution bringing to the masses as best it could the lessons of this tremendous political forward leap of the world's working class and the communist party born from the left wing of the socialist party throughout its 32 years of life has never flagged in its efforts to have the masses of workers understand the constructive meaning of this gigantic Political development. End of section. Section title The Teachings of Marxism Leninism. The Russian Revolution and the long revolutionary struggle preceding it resulted in the formulation of tremendous contributions to the body of Marxist social science. These were expressed in the reality of the Great Revolution itself and, inseparably, In the brilliant scientific writings of Lenin. The sum and substance of this whole theoretical development was to raise Marxism to the level of Marxism-Leninism. This, in a scientific sense, is the greatest of all the contributions of the Russian Revolution to world humanity. Leninism, says Stalin, is the Marxism of the era of imperialism, End of the Proletarian Revolution. There are two major aspects to the theoretical work of Lenin. First, Lenin re established the principles of Marxism as already stated by Marx and Engels in the Communist Manifesto and their other works. These principles, the right wing theoreticians of the Second International had been busily tearing down and burying for the previous half century. Second, Lenin further greatly developed Marxism, adding to it the basic lessons to be learned from the present period of imperialism and proletarian revolution. His work summed up to a complete theory of the Socialist Revolution. In the first aspect of Lenin's work, namely, the freeing of Marxism from opportunist revisionism, Lenin restated Marx's basic proposition. That the present state is a repressive instrument of capitalism, the executive committee of the capitalist class, thereby theoretically destroying the current social democratic revisionist conception that the modern state under capitalism is a sort of people state without specific capitalist class domination. Lenin also proved the correctness under modern conditions of Marx's fundamental contention That the capitalist state, because of ruling class violent resistance to all democratic advance, would have to be abolished before socialism could be established. He declared that all the right-wing social democratic chatter about capitalism being gradually transformed step by step into socialism was opportunism. At the same time, Lenin showed the growing over of the bourgeois democratic revolution into the socialist revolution. Lenin, too, demonstrated irrefutably the fundamental correctness of Marx's conception of the dictatorship of the proletariat being the state form of the workers' rule under socialism, and he shattered all revisionist nonsense about socialism or what the opportunists miscall socialism being only a continuation in a more advanced form of bourgeois democracy. Lenin also brilliantly revalidated the great Marxist principle of the class struggle as against the mess of class collaborationism, which actually means working class subordination to capitalist class domination, into which the revisionist theoreticians of the Second International had bogged down the socialist movement. Finally. To mention no more of Lenin's tremendous rebuttressing of Marxism, he restated Marx's fundamentals of dialectical materialism in opposition to the welter of bourgeois idealism and eclecticism which the degenerate social democratic theoreticians of the Second International had absorbed from their bourgeois masters. In the second major aspect of Lenin's theoretical accomplishments, namely, the development of Marxism to encompass the many problems of modern monopoly capitalism and proletarian revolution, Lenin performed a prodigious amount of pioneering theoretical work. Here, we can give only the barest outline of his immense contributions in this respect. Lenin performed the basic task of analyzing capitalist imperialism. Dissecting the whole structure of modern monopoly capitalism, and demonstrating that it is moribund capitalism, the final stage of the capitalist system. In doing this work, Lenin laid bare the basic causes of modern war. This general analysis he further strengthened by his profound discovery of the laws of the uneven development of capitalism. The law which explains how and why the capitalist nations, instead of all developing at an even pace, grow at widely varying tempos, with the result that they periodically readjust by war their changing political relationships. Lenin also successfully challenged the bigwigs of the Second International, who held that socialism must come first in the most industrialized countries, and, to be successful, must also occur in several of them at once. He proved that socialism, on the contrary, could be established in one country alone, specifically in backward, predominantly agricultural Russia. Stalin, later on, was also to make brilliant contributions on this key question. Lenin, while pointing out the ingrained warlike character of imperialism, also stressed both the necessity and the possibility of the peaceful coexistence of capitalist and socialist states in the world. Lenin, along with Stalin, developed the theory of colonial and national liberation revolution. He likewise demonstrated the basic need for cooperation between the colonial peoples and the revolutionary proletariat of the imperialist countries. Repudiating the entire body of social democratic revisionist theory, Lenin also showed the revolutionary potentialities of the peasantry in alliance with and under the general leadership of the proletariat. Lenin, who was as great a strategist and tactician as he was a theoretician, developed the role of partial demands, of trade unionism, and of parliamentarism. thus solving many difficult problems of methods and weapons in the general fight of the working class for socialism. Lenin throughout his entire work thoroughly unmasked the opportunist social democrats, showing them to be wedded to the capitalist system, and exposing the economic and political reasons why this was so. To cap his immense theoretical achievements, Lenin was also the architect and chief organizer of the great Russian Communist Party, which led the Russian people in their historic victory over capitalism. Lenin called this a party of a new type. It is incomparably the most highly developed political organization in the history of humanity. The Communist Party is composed of the best, most advanced elements of the working class, peasantry, and intellectuals. It is highly disciplined, yet it practices a profound democracy. It employs a regenerating self-criticism, learning from its own mistakes, which invigorates it in every phase and stage of its work. Its membership is inspired by the highest qualities of courage, devotion to the Soviet people's interests, and loyalty to the great cause of socialism. This great party The nightmare of capitalists and their social democratic mercenaries all over the world, is an imperishable monument to Lenin's theoretical skill and organizing ability, and also to the profound revolutionary spirit of the Soviet people. Lenin, like Marx, incorporated his theoretical work in many powerful books, and Lenin, like Marx, also found the greatest justification of their writings not only in their strong argumentation, but especially in the supreme test of experience in life itself. Lenin not only worked out the revolutionary theories, but he also stood at the head of the masses of the Russian people in carrying through, in line with these theories, the greatest revolution in all of human history. His closest co-worker in this tremendous movement was Joseph Stalin. Lenin's theories and Marx's are now being profoundly justified by the present whole course of the world political development by the rapid decline of capitalism and rapid rise of socialism. End of section. Section title Marxism Leninism and the American Marxists. Marxism Leninism is universal in its application. It is as naturally international as are all other branches of science. Its principles and policies apply to all countries, in all stages of capitalist or socialist development. But following the dictum of Engels, and as every communist theoretician has pointed out time and again, Marxism-Leninism is not a dogma, but a guide to action. It is not to be applied as a blueprint in every situation, as a ready-made panacea. The value of Marxism-Leninism can be realized in a given country only if its principles and policies are flexibly adapted to the specific situation prevailing in that country. As Lenin put it in 1918, the revolution proceeds with a different tempo and in different forms in different countries, and it cannot be otherwise. Marxism-Leninism made its impact upon the American left socialist movement not only by means of the practical example of the Russian Revolution and Lenin's major writings, but also by direct counsel from Lenin himself. Lenin knew the American situation profoundly, and was deeply interested in it. He wrote a basic work on American agriculture, and twice he sent major political letters directly to the American working class, once in 1916, in answer to a manifesto of the Socialist Propaganda League and the second time in 1918, in his famous A Letter to American Workers. Also, during the early years of the Communist International, Lenin often spoke about the American question. The initial influence of Marxism-Leninism on American Marxist thinking was tremendous. Lenin provided the basic answers to many complicated problems of theory and practice, which for decades past had confused and crippled the American socialist movement. This clarification, besides acting with crushing effect upon the right-wing sophistries, also tended to liquidate the traditional sectarian errors of the left wing. Lenin exposed the De Leonite theories, syndicalist and sectarian, which had dominated and plagued the left wing ever since the death of Engels, almost a quarter of a century earlier. Lenin provided a solid theoretical basis for the left's fight against Gomperzism in the trade unions, and he also refuted the pseudo-socialist pretenses of all sections of right-wing social democracy, including its Bernsteinian and Kotskian varieties. This had a clarifying and strengthening effect upon the American Marxist movement. Highly important from the American standpoint was Lenin's scientific analysis of imperialism. With powerful emphasis, Lenin pointed out the qualitative differences that develop within the whole structure of capitalism with the growth of monopoly. Previously, without clearly differentiating itself from the right wing on this question, the left wing had tended to consider the growth of monopoly as merely a quantitative development of capitalism. And its expansionism, imperialism, as simply a secondary policy manifestation, instead of a basic expression of monopoly capitalism. This error led to a profound underestimation of the aggressive character, reactionary aims, and war making potentialities of imperialism. Lenin cleared up all this confusion. Lenin also made clear the road of all-out political mass struggle to socialism. In doing so, he annihilated for Americans the prevalent De Leonite syndicalist ideas that the workers would win their way to power by locking out the capitalists or by means simply of a general strike and other kindred illusions. He also smashed the syndicalist conception previously held almost unanimously by all sections of the American left wing, to the effect that after the workers had secured political power, the party would dissolve itself and the unions would take over the management both of the industries and of society as a whole. Lenin, with the reality of the Russian Revolution to back up his words, clearly outlined the Soviet form of the dictatorship of the proletariat, pointed out That it is incomparably more democratic than the bourgeois dictatorship and stressed the decisively leading role of the party in every stage of the struggle, both before and during the existence of socialism. Lenin also, in his masterly analysis of the national question with the able cooperation of Stalin, laid the basis for a fundamental understanding of the black question in the United States a problem that had baffled left-wing thinkers up to that time. With his historic doctrine that, without a revolutionary theory, there can be no revolutionary movement, Lenin struck hard, too, at the traditional American tendency to minimize theory. Among his many other contributions to the American revolutionary movement, Lenin clarified the question of the role of the farmers, which had always been a weak spot in the Socialist Labor Party and socialist party policy, especially after the advent of De Leon. Lenin stressed the vital necessity of labor cooperating with the oppressed and exploited strata of these toilers, and he indicated the basic conditions under which such cooperation with working-class leadership should be carried out. Lenin also, with his strong anti-sectarian position, and his supreme genius for mobilizing all the potential strength of the anti-capitalist forces, laid the basis for a clarification of the question of the Labour Party. Smashing through the crippling Daily policy of non-participation in the broad, elemental mass movements of struggle, Lenin categorically, like Engels long before him, supported participation in such movements. Lenin likewise clarified the knotty question of partial political demands, which had also been a bone of contention in the left-wing ranks for many years, especially under de Leon's intellectual tutelage. Indeed, Lenin had made this question quite clear in Russian practice long before the Bolshevik Revolution. He showed that partial demands are an integral part of the workers' whole struggle, and Stalin, in his Foundations of Leninism, points out that reforms are byproducts of revolutionary struggle and reforms can and must be used in the fight for socialism. Lenin also clarified American Marxists on the question of religion. The Socialist Party from its inception had a confusion of policy on the matter, ranging from a cultivation of petty bourgeois Christian socialism to the placing of God-killing as the main task of the party. Lenin, reiterating Marx's statement that religion is the opium of the people, stressed its class role in the exploitation of the workers and declared, We demand that religion be regarded as a private matter so far as the state is concerned, but under no circumstances can be regarded as a private matter in our own party. Lenin insisted on the one hand upon the complete separation of church and state, and on the other. On an educational campaign by the party. However, the propaganda of atheism by the social democracy must be subordinated to a more basic task the development of the class struggle of the exploited masses against the exploiters. The party should not write atheism into its program. It should, however, freely admit religious minded workers to membership and then educate them to a scientific outlook on life. The writings of Lenin the Master Party Builder, clarified the American left-wing movement about the structure, practice, and role of the Communist Party. In this respect, he also made crystal clear many problems which had worried and handicapped the left for many years. Lenin's basic teachings on the party were especially needed in the United States because of the long prevalence of syndicalist and semi-syndicalist ideas. The heart of which was a belittlement of the party and an underestimation of political action to all these great contributions of Lenin to the American movement must be added at least another. It was Lenin above all others, who finally knocked on the head that chronic American sectarian disease, the dual union illusion ever since the days of Debs's American Railway Union in eighteen ninety four and de Leon's Socialist Trades and Labor Alliance in 1895, American left-wingers had been obsessed with the idea that the way to revolutionize the labor movement was to withdraw from the conservative trade unions and to organize independent, theoretically perfect industrial unions. The general effect of this policy had been to leave the Gompers machine In virtually unchallenged control of the basic, mass economic organizations of the working class, and to waste the strength of the dynamic left-wing fighting trade unionists in innumerable, utopian industrial union projects. Lenin had encountered the problem of such abstention from the unions in Russia in 1908 on the part of the Otsevists, a group among the Bolsheviks. These elements, among other wrong tendencies, refused to work in the trade unions, in other legally existing societies. Lenin, with his keen ability to go straight to the heart of a problem, and thus with a penetrating analysis to settle it once and for all, sailed into the Otsevists and destroyed their position completely. Lenin dealt again and crushingly with this particular sectarian, abstentionist tendency shortly after the beginning of the Russian Revolution. When ultra lefts in Germany, Holland, England, and other European countries, in the exuberance of their revolutionary spirit, had no patience for work in the old trade union, but sought shortcuts by setting up new revolutionary labor organizations. Lenin sharply denounced this practice as a serious form of sectarianism. He declared that to refuse to work within reactionary trade unions, Means leaving the insufficiently developed or backward working masses under the influence of reactionary leaders, agents of the bourgeoisie, labor aristocrats, or bourgeoisified workers. This criticism applied with the triple force to the United States, where the dual union fallacy had reigned almost unchallengeable in left circles for many years, thereby doing incalculable damage to the revolutionary movement. Lenin, in fighting for a correct political line, fought on two fronts. That is, he combated both the right danger and all forms of pseudo-leftism. This two-front fight was particularly necessary in the United States, with its ingrained historical right weakness of American exceptionalism and its long affliction of quote-unquote left sectarianism. The long-continued sectarianism of the left wing was basically an immature political reaction against the extreme opportunism of the Socialist Party and American Federation of Labor Leaders, which was bred on the especially corrupting influences of American political life. The left's dual unionism, anti-labor party, anti-farmer, anti-immediate demands, anti-parliamentary, and other ultra-revolutionary policies and attitudes were shortcut methods aimed to create powerful trade unions, a militant workers party, and a mass socialist ideology. A historical influence, too, producing left-sectarianism was the pressure of the vast body of foreign-born workers who were as yet little integrated into American political, economic, and social life. Important also in this general respect was the fact that the American Marxist movement in the imperialist epoch had produced no outstanding Marxist theoretician capable of immediately and basically solving the many complex problems faced by the working class. During many years from the 1890s on, the Great Lenin was developing Marxism into Marxism-Leninism and building the core of the eventual powerful Bolshevik party. At this time, the American socialists In an extremely difficult objective situation were being gravely hindered in their development by the powerful but revisionist influence of the ultra-left sectarian and semi-syndicalist theoretician de Leon. The sudden impact of Lenin's profound and comprehensive writings, supported as they were by the tremendous reality of the Russian Revolution, revolutionized the thinking of the Marxist forces in the United States. The left moved rapidly toward a position of scientific communism. As Alexander Biddleman put it, quote, The formative period in the history of our party appears as a development from left socialism to communism. The essence of this development consisted in this, that the left wing of the Socialist Party was gradually freeing itself from vacillation between reformism and ultra-left radicalism by means of an ever-closer approach to the positions of Marxism-Leninism. Manifestly, Marxism-Leninism applied completely to the United States, but not as a blueprint. For this country is no exception. It is flesh and blood of the world capitalist system, and is subject to that system's laws of growth and decline. But to adapt this tremendous body of scientific Marxist-Leninist principles to the specific conditions prevailing in the United States, that is, for the strengthening of every phase of the American workers' struggle for a better life was a task of very large proportions. And as the sequel showed, many mistakes were to be made in this adaptation. Long-continued modes of incorrect thinking and of sectarian policies were not to be overcome in a day. To build a mature Communist Party in any capitalist land is a very difficult political task, but most of all, in the United States, the stronghold of world capitalism. Thank you for listening to this reading from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. If you're interested in attending classes, email info at psmls.org. If you'd like to support us, our partner publishing house can be found at newoutlookpublishers.net.